You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. But you know, church, uh, a few years ago, I became a member at Planet Fitness. Now, I'm not necessarily a good member of Planet Fitness, if you know what I'm saying, but I'm a member nonetheless. And generally speaking, when you become a member of a certain organization or club, it comes with certain benefits. For example, as a member of Planet Fitness, I'm afforded access, full access to the gym anytime that I want. I can use any machine that I want to exercise any muscle that I want. And likewise, if I want or I need some encouragement along the way, there's always somebody there to kind of spur me on and help me out. I've never utilized that, but they're there in case I need it. And because there's like a cost involved, now it's not a ton, it's 10 bucks a month, but still, because there's a cost involved, in theory, it should motivate me to keep going back to the gym. And I get that at first glance when you look at a gym membership, you know, between the cost and the commitment and the work involved with being a good member of Planet Fitness, these so-called benefits may not necessarily seem all that beneficial, especially because every time you walk in there, you've got to put pain upon your body, right? But here's the deal. If I take full advantage of my membership of Planet Fitness, it will eventually work out for my good. I'm going to grow stronger and healthier as a result, right? Well, church, in the same way, there are special benefits, privileges, if you will, for being a member of the body of Christ. I'm not talking about formal legal membership. I'm talking about when you come to faith in Jesus, when you become a believer. And when we as believers take full advantage of these benefits, not only is it going to work out for our good, but we're going to be greatly blessed, and God is going to be greatly glorified as a result. Look at Ephesians 1.3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You see, Scripture teaches that believers are a very special class of people. Because of our unique position in Christ, because of our membership in his body, we are afforded special benefits that come from knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But again, these benefits are only beneficial if we understand them and then we utilize them in our lives. Well, this morning as we continue our study in 1 Peter, we're going to find Peter encouraging his readers and us by giving them a vivid picture of the incredible advantages that they have for believing in Jesus. But again, advantages that are only advantageous if they're applied. And it's through our study this morning that we're going to be reminded of this important truth to remember, and it's this. We encounter God's best when we enjoy God's benefits. How many of you guys want God's best? Say, I do. Of course we do. We only get them if we enjoy what God has given to us. So let's open up our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. It's page 1014 in your pew Bible if you don't have your own copy of Scripture. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to pray one more time as we enter into God's word today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to to physically be able to be here and, and, and just preach your word. But beyond that, Lord, just the gathering Lord, I think of of what I shared earlier with the missionary and everything that's going on, and and they can't gather. They can't gather, God, because there's so much persecution. It could literally mean their death. They're just trying to stay alive, and here we are, God. We are so blessed and so privileged, and so I praise you for that. And I pray, God, that this morning your word would speak uh, to our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would stir within us, Lord, that we would leave here encouraged and closer to Jesus than when we arrived. Help me to get out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So church, if you, if you haven't picked up on it already, uh, a major theme in Peter's letter is encouragement. I mean, basically everything we've talked about up to this point has been a word of encouragement, and it's for good reason. Remember, Peter was writing to a church who was experiencing the pains of persecution. They were distressed. They were downtrodden. They needed a spiritual pick-me-up. And up to this point in the letter, Peter does not disappoint. You might remember, he opened up uh, his letter by reminding the recipients of the salvation and the inheritance that they had in Christ. And then he coached them on how to respond through trials. He called them to be holy and unified and loving toward one another. And then he taught them how to grow spiritually. Well, in today's passage, we're going to find Peter further encouraging the church by showing them the great privileges of being a believer. So let's begin by reading the whole passage, and then we'll kind of break it apart a little bit. So it's 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. Just follow along with me. Peter writes, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone precious, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You know, church, a story is told of a pastor who was frustrated by his congregation's apathy. And so he told his secretary to order prune juice instead of grape juice for communion. And the secretary asked, why prune juice? And the pastor smiled, well, if my sermons won't move them, the prune juice sure will. I couldn't resist that one. But church, it is my sincere prayer this morning that the rich truths found in today's passage will move you to a place of encouragement and will give you a desire to enjoy all the benefits of being a believer in Jesus Christ. In today's text, there's four benefits that I was able to kind of pull out. And so let's look at the first. It's this. Believers enjoy continual access to Christ. Look again at the beginning of verse 4. As you come to as you come. You know, back in the day, there used to be this thing called concerts. Do you remember those? Concerts? And many times you'd have the option to purchase what's called a backstage pass. And basically, a backstage pass allows you to have exclusive access to the band and hang out in an area where most people are not allowed to hang out. So you can get signatures, you can eat special food, you can enjoy special privileges because the backstage pass grants you permission to do so. Now, if you're like me, I just kind of wiggle my way in and find my way to f find some of these, uh, these famous people. But anyway, the backstage pass gives you permission and you won't get yelled at for doing so. But it comes at a cost. It's usually a couple hundred bucks easy to get a backstage pass, maybe more. Well, see, as believers, we are granted full and continual access to God. Free, by the way. Peter's opening phrase, as you come to him, can also be translated as you continually come to him. It implies that believers may regularly draw near to Christ in an intimate and close and personal fellowship. In other words, we are permitted, and we should, by the way, come to God anytime we need to seek his help anytime we need. Think of it this way, church. We, as believers, have been granted exclusive access to the creator of the universe anytime we want. Isn't that incredible? 
But we must remember that while this special benefit is free to us, it came at a substantial cost to the Lord. Peter referred to Jesus in this verse as the living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You see, Jesus was rejected by men when he was put on the cross 2,000 years ago. Yet, he was chosen by God for this act to be the perfect sacrifice needed to atone for our sins. His resurrection is the capstone that solidified his sacrifice, hence why Peter calls him living. And he is a stone because it's upon him that the church rests. Friends, Jesus died so that we might have the opportunity to be saved and enjoy his presence. He became our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 say it best. It reads, since then you have been You have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest that is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, as we are, yet without sin. But here's the verse I want you to see. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, practically speaking, the way that we draw near to Christ in times of need is through prayer. Yet sadly, prayer is often the most difficult ministry to maintain and the often most neglected discipline in the church today. Truth be told, I was with a group of godly men not too long ago who actually said we probably shouldn't be praying as much together, implying that it's taking uh, up too much time. Now, friends, I don't judge them or fault them for that thinking. Here's the reality. I believe that the church is under attack right now, especially in the area of prayer. The enemy is working overtime to make prayer look more like a burden than a blessing. Why? Why would he do that? Because you know what? He knows. He observed every time Jesus prayed. He went alone and retreated and prayed. Satan observed that. Our enemy observed that. And he sees that it's, it's through the power of prayer. It's through prayer that we are empowered. And so if he can keep us away from prayer, he's going to prevent us from being empowered. The great prayer warrior R.A. Torrey said, when the devil sees a man or a woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on his face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did, for he knows that his day in that church or community is at his end. See, as believers, we have been given a great privilege. Because of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, we may freely and confidently and fearlessly enjoy his presence, seek his provision, and be fueled by his power whenever we desire. So friends, we must never take this amazing benefit for granted. Instead, we should respond with humility and gratitude to Christ's calling in Matthew chapter 11 verses 20 to 30 says, come to me. Right? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is calling us to come to him. And we'll find our rest. So we got to remember such an important benefit. Let's go to the second benefit. Believers enjoy being built up by Christ. Look at verse 5, the first part of verse 5. It says, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. You know, church, living in northeast Pennsylvania, 
we, there's a few quirks that we've just kind of learned to deal with. And one of those quirks that is always true is that 81 will always be under construction, right? It will always be under construction. I mean, as sure as death and taxes are, is 81 will be under construction. In fact, I've lived in this area for 37 years, and I can't remember a time where there wasn't somewhere on 81 a sign that says road work ahead. I don't know why this is the case, but it is true. 81 is always under construction, and it's super annoying, right? Well, in the same way, the church is always under God's construction. But this is a good thing. We shouldn't be annoyed by this. You see, to us at times, the church may seem like a pile of rubble and ruins. It may even seem like a lost cause, but not with God. You see, he sees the completed project. Uh, Charles Swindoll noted this. He said, there's a major construction project going on through time as Jesus builds his family. It's called the ecclesia, the church. Those who are called out from the mass of humanity to become a special part of God's forever family. Listen to this. And you, as a Christian, a follower of Christ, have been picked, chosen, and called out to be one of them. I love this picture. He has quarried you from the pit of your sin, and he is chiseling away, shaping you, and ultimately sliding you into place. You are part of his building project. Church, one of the great benefits of being a believer is that we become united with Christ and with one another. We are afforded the blessings of being part of God's house, which includes holding a special permanent place in its structure. And I've heard heard it said, you can't be the whole house, but you can be a good brick. Friends, when we fulfill our roles as living stones, when we each do our part in holding one another up, with the Lord's kind of help and chiseling and shaping along the way, we will become that beautiful spiritual house that God desires us to be. But it takes all hands on deck. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22 says, But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, right, grows. See, growing takes time, but it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Church, with so much vitriol and hatred and political turmoil in our culture, now is the premier time for the church to reflect the unifying power that comes through our union with Christ. G.K. Chesterton said, We do not want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. Friends, the more that we embrace a Christ-like love and unity toward one another, the more beautiful our structure is going to be the more illuminating our testimony is going to be, and the more powerfully God will dwell among us. And this leads us to the third benefit. We'll keep moving. Believers enjoy a special role in Christ. A special role. Look at uh, the second half of of verse 5. So we're being built up as a spiritual house. Why? To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, church, I probably should not admit this. I kind of wrestled with whether or not I should admit this or not, but whatever, I'm going for it. Carrie and I are big fans of Downton Abbey. Okay, we like Downton Abbey. Don't judge me. I could feel the judgmental stares coming my way. We're in church. Don't judge. Downton Abbey is this large, beautiful estate run by the aristocratic Crawley family. 
And the show depicts the different roles of domestic servants in the early 1900s. Now, whether you're a footman or a butler or a maid, everyone has their specific role to fulfill in order to keep and maintain good order in the home. And so to serve in the Downton house was considered a great privilege, a privilege limited only to a select few. Well, in the Old Testament, the privilege of formally serving in God's house was limited to a select few of people. See, not just any Israelite was allowed to serve at the altar or enter the tabernacle or go into the temple's holy places. The only ones who were allowed this service were Israelites who were born of the tribe of Levi and who were consecrated to God for this service. These people were called priests. Now, the role of the priesthood was to perform different ministries, which included, but is not limited to, the caretaking of the tabernacle, performing religious services, teaching God's law, and offering sacrifices to atone for the sins of God's people. Simply put, priests were set aside for service and functioned as mediators between God and man. However, when Jesus died on the cross, his death put an end to the Levitical priesthood and to that sacrificial system, and in doing so, he made a way for all believers all believers, to enjoy the benefit and blessings as serving as priests. You heard me right, priests. You see, living in a predominantly Roman Catholic area, we often make the faulty assumption that being a priest is merely a Catholic notion, that a priest is someone who wears black with a white collar. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Scripture is clear that at the moment of belief, we all become partakers in the priesthood, which includes the freedom to enjoy God's presence and follow his precepts. You see, when Peter uh, called his readers to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, he wasn't talking about the old covenant animal sacrifices. He was encouraging the church to offer their hearts and their minds and their bodies in service to the Lord, which is what a good priest does. Now we're all able and free to do it because of the blood of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul pictured this perfectly in Romans 12, 1 and 2, which if you're in in a life group, this is what we're learning, right? Through the Chip Ingram study about how to to live this this true spirituality, this this best life. Uh, Paul pictures it perfectly in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, here's a sacrifice, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship, And then he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what, the will, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, church, one of the key steps for encountering God's best for our lives is embracing and enjoying our unique role as a priesthood of believers. We could talk about that all day, but we don't have time, so we'll go to the next benefit, the last benefit. It's this. Believers enjoy a solid foundation, the solid foundation of Christ. Look at verse 6. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Can I tell you a story? I'm going to tell you a story. You didn't say yes or no, I'll tell you the story. Edward Mote was an unruly child who grew up in the streets of London. And his parents ran a local pub. And at one, at one point, Mote was quoted as saying, So ignorant was I that I did not know there was a God. My Sundays were spent on the streets in play. Can you imagine being a little kiddo and not even knowing there's a God? But I can't even imagine today how many kids right now 
right now on a Sunday morning are just in the streets and play, not knowing there's a God. When he was young, Moat became an apprentice to a cabinet maker who took him to Tottenham Court Road Chapel, where he heard a sermon from the Reverend John Hyatt that Jesus could take away all the fears of life and give him peace of heart and mind. In other words, he heard the gospel message and he responded accordingly when he was young. Shortly after this, on his way to work, Moat began thinking that he should write a hymn. And so before he reached his shop, he already had a chorus in mind. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking stand. Before the day ended, he had written the other four stanzas. That following Sunday, Moat visited the home of a friend, a minister actually, whose wife was on her deathbed. And so during the afternoon, they read the scriptures and they prayed with her. And at one point, the minister looked for a hymnal that they might sing to her as she was uh, entering into eternity, but he couldn't find a hymnal anywhere. And so Moat reached into his pocket and he pulled out the verses that he had written and asked if they might be sung to her, and so they were. And so Moat was so encouraged to see that she found great comfort in these powerful words as she entered into eternity. And so eventually, Moat had a thousand copies of this song printed and distributed to his friends. And basically, Ever since then, it's been history. The Solid Rock has become one of the most popular hymns in Christendom uh, ever since that day. Church, isn't it an amazing comfort to know that our foundation is secure in Christ? No matter what the world throws our way, no matter the dangers, the dangers, the toils, the snares, or even death itself, we are built on a bedrock that is firm and immovable and unchanging. Hebrews chapter 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. You know, I remember last week, was the debate last week? Has it only been a week? It's been like nuts, man. But anyway, lots of, lots, a lot of things have happened. But I remember Carrie mentioned to me, he's like, Mike, like, what do we believe anymore, right? I said, we believe this. This is, this is where it's at, because this doesn't change, right? Everything else is nonsense, but this never changes. Paul reminded his readers that whoever believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. And this phrase, put to shame uh, or disappointed, denotes the idea of being deceived in some confidence. In other words, placing your hope in something or someone only to have that hope dashed. But here's the deal. For those who believe, you're never going to have to worry about being let down by Jesus. Jesus is your ever-present help in this life, and he is your security for the next. In fact, Jesus said, as we read earlier in Matthew 7, 24 and 25, he says, listen, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and puts them to practice or does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. On the other hand, for those who do not believe, you have everything to fear and you have everything to worry about. And I say that sternly but out of love for you because, because I was there once too. I, wanna, I just want to show you something. Peter wrapped up this final section by revealing the position of unbelievers. Look, look at what he said quickly in verses 7 and 8. They're not going to be on the screen so you could follow along in, in, in your Bible. But Peter said this, So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You see, the Jewish religious leaders rejected Christ as their Messiah. They played a key role in putting him on the cross. 
Yet the very stone that Israel rejected became the foundational stone for all those who believe. In other words, the church. However, this same stone became a stumbling block for those who do not believe. Why? Because it's a lack of belief in Christ that causes someone to spiritually stumble and ultimately end up with ultimate destruction, eternal destruction, separation from God forever. John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Awesome, right? But whoever does not obey the Son or believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Stumbling block, right? Church, the privileges of being a believer cannot be overstated. We are blessed well beyond anything we could ever ask for or imagine. As Peter would later write in 1 Peter chapter 4, 16, he says, Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Therefore, we as believers ought to embrace all the benefits that come through knowing Jesus as our Savior. And when we do, we're going to be stronger spiritually, and God is going to be glorified as a result. And this brings us back to today's truth to remember. We encounter God's best when we enjoy God's benefits. But I need to ask, what about you? I mean, we've talked about the benefits of believers, and, and I suspect that most of you are. And so you just got to kind of enjoy those and own those in your lives. But, but what about you who maybe might be here and, and you're not a believer this morning? Do you enjoy the benefits of knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you called by his name? Or are you stumbling down a spiritual pathway? Friend, if you are on the wrong side of this thing, if you're walking down the wrong road, let me just encourage you. You can change course even today. You can build your house upon the cornerstone of Christ even today. You can be sure of your eternal life even today. And it just begins with a simple act of belief. And when I was 17 years old, I was shared the gospel message, and it was pretty simple. It's like, Mike, you've got to stop trusting in yourself. You've got to stop believing that your good works are going to save you or that you're going to church or the penance or whatever is going to save you. No, it's going to save you faith in Jesus. And so he shared with me how to get saved, and it was really simple. He said, Mike, you just got to believe that you're a sinner. Admit before God that you're a sinner, that you're in need of a Savior. There's nothing that you could do to save your safe. And then transfer. It's a transfer of trust, really. You're transferring trust in yourself, and you're taking all of that, and you're putting it on the completed work of Jesus on the cross. You're saying, Jesus, I trust you, and I believe in you, and I'm trusting in what you did, you and you alone, for, for my salvation. And friend, when you make that simple act of faith, Scripture says that you are saved. Jesus says, no one could snatch those that are my children out of my hands. And so this morning, if you need to come to faith in Christ, I want to invite you to pray with me. I'm going to invite the praise team to come forward so we can wrap things up here. I'm going to pray for, for, for the church because we all need to, to enjoy these benefits, right? But I want to pray specifically for if you're here this morning and perhaps you, you've never come to faith in Christ, but this morning you're like, Mike, I get it. I get it. I, I, that transfer of trust thing, that's what I need to do. Uh, help me get there. I'm going to help you right now. You just bow your head, and we're just going to pray together. And I just want to invite you in the quietness of your seat to kind of pray along with me this prayer. And if you mean it sincerely from your heart, it's not the prayer that saves you. It is the belief. Trusting Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, for those that may be here that need to, to place their, their trust in you, 
I pray that they might, in the sincerity of their heart, pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, my, my eyes have been opened this morning to the truth of your gospel. I recognize, Lord, that I am not saved, that I am not trusting in Jesus for my salvation. But this morning I admit my sin, I repent of my sin, and I turn to you. I believe that Jesus and Jesus alone could save me. And so this morning, I want to make him the forgiver and leader of my life. Lord, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. And so, Lord, I I accept the free gift of eternal life. Now help me to live each and every day for you. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. If you prayed to receive Jesus, please let us know. Not because we're going to scare you. We just want to say hi and celebrate with you. But, but for the rest of us, let's just stand together. We're going to close with singing the solid rock. Just a couple of verses to remind us of where our foundation uh, comes from. So let's sing together. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.